You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. to the gastroenteritis blues you're surprised you don't remember this voice i've gotten your letters i'm back my name is steve Whitman, joined as always by my good friends emily cannell and dan volpone <clears throat> i start with a question we are the first podcast to address this uh, we ran to our microphones emily mm-hmm. who are the jews who got married who joel and Bede is at their wedding doing the hobra and I don't know if you saw the pictures, but they also got him up in the chair. They did. Um, who are these Jews? <laughs> I don't know. What's going um, on? He's really into it. I try. So I saw the one photo uh, that someone had posted, a Gabby, and I tried to go to her Instagram to see it, but she's private. And now there's more reposts. So. Maybe while Dan talks, I can do like a slightly more uh, investigation and figure it out. Okay, Drew's pulling up the, the pictures here and maybe I'll have the video. So this is Joel on the chair. So he's on the chair, but there's a woman on top of him. Is that the, the bride? Chair. Do we think? I don't know. She's not wearing or, white, is she? She's not wearing white. Maybe it's the bride's mother or the groom's mother. Is that better or worse? <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I don't understand. This is the strongest chair in the world. I, I just want to throw out the possibility that maybe Joel goes to all Jewish weddings and he might not even know these people. And then like, maybe Steve, if you, you know, invite him, um, you know, whenever you get married, this could be, mm-hmm. this could be, you know, he would just come, you know, this is like his thing now. He mm-hmm. loved it. I would certainly do this. Okay. Here's the video. I have Joel. the information. You do? Yeah, I do. He's so into this horror, by the way. Love a horror. Um, so and the person whose video this is, Haley Harrison, this is Chandler Parsons' girlfriend, fiance, wife, significant other. Okay. And the wedding of the person that it is is um, Michael Ratner. So he okay. um, is like an executive producer. He's like worked with Kevin Hart on things. Um, he did like the Demi Lovato YouTube um like documentary hmm. so it's his wedding and then the lady is a like skin brand ceo his his wife so i don't know if this was an invite via joelle's fiance wife from like the skin brand side or if he is like friends with this executive producer 
from, you know, uh, Michael Rubin or whoever, I don't know, but I mean, Chandler Parsons is there. So he clearly has some NBA ties. Um, Frankie Delgado is there who I've seen in pictures with, uh, Joel before and with Ruben. So I think it's from that circle, but that's who got married. Okay. So repeat to me the, 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 uh, man and woman who got married this, this thing. Um, it's Michael Ratner. His Instagram is at ratty. Fun fact. And then the, his wife now wife is a like beauty brand CEO. So. Okay. Michael and beauty brand CEO. I feel like you had her name a second ago. Oh, I do. It's Lauren. Lauren, Michael and Lauren. First of all, mazel tov. Second of all, come on the podcast. <laughs> come on the podcast. We'd love to talk to you, first of all, about Judaism. Second of all, about what it was like to have Joel and whoever that lady was in the chair and, and doing the horror. This is really, really down our alley. I would say for the off season, but really for any time. And um, I just would love it. I would love to know about, about this thing. You seem like uh, certainly rich people and uh, we'd know, love to be a part of your circle. Love to be part of the circle. Um, and uh, I just need to know more about this, this whole night. And, uh, and what else, Joel? Did, did you all step on glass? Uh, you know, what, what other traditions did he partake in? Because uh, it's just great. Dan, any other thoughts on this, this first order of business? Uh, not really, but I do think it would be great if we could um, become friends with these rich people and just kind of like inventing Anna our way into like some money and then, mm-hmm. you know, spend it on Sixers games. That's good. Tinder Swindler, maybe. I'm done with that too. <clears throat> All right. So moving on. By the way, good to be back. Missed a couple of weeks. Went to a wedding. At that wedding, got COVID, <laughs> so I missed the second week because uh, they did a late podcast and I was uh, petering out very early in the night. But I'm happy to be back. Well done, you guys and Drew, uh, holding down the fort. All right, Sixers summer league has ended. Uh, boy, it felt like a snooze of a summer league. There was not a lot of juice. Um, I think Joe, very good again, <clears throat> uh, shooting the ball. And uh, who else we have? B-Ball Paul, too good for Summer League, didn't play in Vegas. You guys, I know, talked about him. Uh, Traveling Queen seems like a guy who can play basketball. I know he's very thin, um, but he seems like the sort of outline of a role player. You know, I, I don't imagine that he's going to play much on the Sixers, but uh, he's a guy. Uh, hey, Ellison doesn't have a roster spot, but he's hot as all get out. Have you seen this guy with the hair and the eyes? Emily, give it a goo. Hair in the eyes. What's his what's name? His, what's his first name? His last name's Ellison. What's his first name? Drew, you, you know this guy. His, his last name's Malik Ellison. Ellison. You also He's said give it a goo. Yes, I just want you to know that that's what you said. You what? You said give it a goog. I said yeah, give it a goo because he he. I'm I'm just saying. I mean, <clears throat> people say that he played pretty well too, which shouldn't be unnoticed. But but he's a handsome. He's a handsome fellow. Dan, did you notice this? No, I didn't watch more than... You got a lot of hair. I watched like a few minutes of Summer League. Like I didn't have it in me. I did not yeah. have Summer League in me. It moves like incredibly in these actions. Oh, it moves. <laughs> I mean, I mean, 
Okay. I need to see like a video. I want to see it in action. He, um, I don't know if he, if he were to get a roster spot, he might break the algorithm in the hand. <laughs> um, so there's him, uh, Jaden Springer still can't shoot. Uh, so I don't, I don't really foresee him playing basketball much and he didn't play the last few games. So I don't really know what the deal is there. Maybe they were talking to the orthopedist that runs his Instagram account. I don't know what the deal is, but, um, so that those, those seem like the, the guys that we would need to touch on. Dan, any thoughts on any of those guys, uh, that, that I brought up? No, I, I just don't really see, um, and the, like, I, like I said last week, I didn't watch much summer league just, but based on what I saw from them last season. And where like a few of these guys seem to be at skill wise, like especially like Springer. I know Springer didn't really play with the Sixers last year, but you know from from what I've seen from Springer, I'm not like super impressed. And he's he's really young, like he's really young, but I don't. He doesn't seem to be like ready at all, um, which is fine. Like I, I don't think you know it's you know he could be reasonably expected to be at this point. Like it's, it's fine. Um, I don't think it's a knock on him. I think he can get a lot better. But, like, yeah, they they need more complete players. Not a lot of the guys that I saw when I did watch the summer league really felt like complete. I mean, Charlie Brown, right? Like, another guy who, like, will shoot and can't. Um, and, like, I, I feel like the bar dropped so – like, Ben really lowered the bar for, like, what counts as, like, being able to shoot in Philadelphia. Because people are people are constantly like all these guys who are just absolutely cannot shoot. You would think that it's like that is like not like a skill. Like that's not even like a that's just hard work and you and you'll definitely pick that up. It's like oh yeah, like once Matisse learns to shoot, like oh it'll be great. Like yeah, Charlie Brown, like he'll pick up Jaden Springer, yeah he'll he'll shoot. Like yeah, traveling Queen, yeah he'll what it's like guys don't just like some guys do, but it's not like every player in the league is just like going from you know not being able to shoot above like the low 30s from three to like a useful player as a shooter and like I think we kind of we're just like oh well they are shooting so they'll get better like at least they're taking the shot which is what like people like tried to say about Ben for years like if only he would take them like maybe he would just take them he would get better it's like that's probably not even true anyway like he probably in all reality like I yeah he doesn't seem to work have worked on it much like he also too probably just cannot shoot and, like, I think that that's probably the case for a lot of these, like, summer league Sixers who people are excited about. I'm not trying to throw cold water on them, but, like, I really don't see these guys being particularly helpful this year. With the exception of Paul Reed, who was too good for summer league, and Isaiah Joe. Like, I don't think there's anyone who, like, didn't get minutes at some points last year, like, real minutes at some point last year that is going to, like, surprise us and all of a sudden, like, be a rotation player or, like, even if you hate Doc, like, that would even be capable of it. Like, there's no, like, oh, if only Doc would play him. Like, I don't see that with anyone besides guys we already knew about. So Joe looks really good, as he did uh, in last year's summer league, and I definitely believe in the shot. I guess I just struggle to see where his minutes are coming from unless they just bench Matisse or they do a multiplayer for one player trade, which is totally possible. Um but as it sits right now, I, I think they have 10 guys between the presumed starters and then Melton, Thibel, um, House, Niang, and Reed. So they could not play Thibel, which, go ahead, I, I'm not going to argue with that. But um, 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think they like, you know, his skill that he's good at. Um, and I don't know where exactly you find minutes, at least consistent minutes for Joe. So I would like to see him get minutes. I have a hard time seeing who you subtract minutes from unless you do one of those trades. Um, yeah. Emily, what did you think about, uh, what did you say? To give Matisse's minutes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't, I, you know, I think especially if you want to trade him, you don't want to just have him as a benched guy when you start yeah. the year. So you better trade him before that. Um, Emily, uh, what did you think about these guys in summer league? And any more thoughts on the research you did on Malik Allison? Um, in terms of summer league, I agree with Dan. I don't outside of Paul Reed and Joe. I don't really see anyone like doing much. In terms of Mat- I could see Isaiah Joe getting like some of Matisse's minutes, like especially on games where he isn't really. Like, you know, there's some games he's really hot in his defense, not like shooting wise, but like his defense is on point. Yeah. And there's other games where his defense looks shit. And so right. those games where his defense looks like shit, what's the benefit of keep throwing him out there? Like you can easily put Isaiah Joe out there and see if he gets hot. So I think that he is a, and if he gets hot, <clears throat> stays hot, I think he has a chance to like break into the rotation. He's looked really good in summer league. His shots look really good um, from what I've seen on Twitter mostly, but you know, um, and yeah, that's all. I didn't, I really have not watched much summer league. So like Dan said last week, I'm into the fills right now. So takes my night. Fills. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, J- James Harden uh, recently did a feature in a watch magazine um, where he talks about how uh, he's eating better and he's going to uh, come for his uh, regaining his sort of place in the league next year i ate it right up excellent exact time during the summer when you go for this stuff um but he has not signed his contract yet despite i think you guys talked about like the shams report where it's like he's going to take 15 million dollars less all he ever cares about is winning basketball games and championships it's just the only thing he possibly cares about is winning 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 he, he doesn't even want to get paid, but the league says he has to get paid, so he's going to take the money, but he doesn't even like getting paid. So he still hasn't signed a contract. What's going on? Um, during the Summer League broadca- broadcast, Chris Haynes said that he got off the phone with Harden's business manager, Lorenzo McLeod, and he said the deal is being finalized as a collaborative process between James, Daryl Morey, and Michael Rubin, who you'll remember is not involved in the Sixers in an official capacity anymore. He's just a rich person who used to work for the Sixers and is now running Fanatics. Uh, And then Daryl Morey told Yahoo Sports that uh, the talks are still in progress. This is as of July 9th. And they're in a good place. Uh, Talks are a collaborative effort between Harden, Morey, Harden's business partner, Lorenzo McLeod, and Michael Rubin. Both sides are optimistic a deal will be done soon. So I want to talk about both sides of this. One is why isn't this deal done yet? If we already got the thing that's like, he'll take $15 million less um, uh, because he just loves winning so much and, and he'll give it all away. And, and, um, and also the tampering stuff, which Zach Lowe blew the whistle on and Bobby Marks is saying, uh, Hey, we got to look into this, which I don't even know if they have a leg to stand on because if, if, Ruben is no longer connected to the team and he's just a rich guy. A rich guy can give another rich guy $15 million and like be a, an Island among like 
yeah, I guess it's a little weird that they're so outward and being like he's also negotiating deal too. Like, what is his role in this? In that he's just like a guy who has like weird white parties in the Hamptons. I don't really understand Michael Rubin's deal, but I, I don't know. Um, but why isn't this deal signed yet? Like, what? It feels like there there has to be another shoe to drop here because what else are we waiting for? Um, so yeah, Emily, what do you think of? all of this and what do you think about the potential that they're going to get the Sixers in this specific case on a tampering thing with with the Ruben stuff um and with the Ruben stuff I like you said I don't really think they have a leg to stand on but I also wouldn't be surprised if this like that the next like whatever CBA they do or whatever they do there's like some type of language in there because like what what is stopping like then a team from like signing someone for like $2 million. And then they're like number one, rich fan, like the Knicks and like Spike Lee and Spike Lee's like, take 10 and I'll give you 20. Like that's sketchy. And I don't think that we can like go down that road, but that seems to be the road <laughs> that the Sixers are not going down. So I maybe like the NBA didn't foresee this being a possibility, but now that it is, they might have to be like, that's not allowed. You have to get like, x amount of your money from your team i don't know um but if there's i don't think there's any rules against it right now so i don't think that will get in trouble but it is a little a little suspect to be honest um and what about like what do you think the holdup is for it's you know july whatever yeah what's going on I don't know. It could just be like something like some very like minuscule thing, like some type of like incentive bonus or something that they're just like arguing about. I think that the, the like main points of the deal, I think the amount that's being reported, the $15 million less is probably pretty accurate. It's probably just like one little thing or, you know, maybe James Harden's agents on vacation. Like if they're just like very well, intent to do this. Agent. Oh, true. Oh, it's this business yeah, yeah, maybe he his business partner. I did see that yeah. James Harden just like posted something today about a wine. So maybe he's busy working on his wine and right. was like, I can't deal with this NBA stuff I have like vintnering to focus on and you know, but I don't I'm not not worried. I think it'll be fine. No, I'm yeah, so I'm definitely not worried that he's not that there's any acrimony. It, to me, it's like is something happening or, or is it just like the laziest negotiation of all time? I think that's it. Like everyone, everyone else was like signing deals. Like James Harden was like, I have a party to attend on Sunday. We will deal with this later. Like, let me focus on my party. I really don't think he's in any hurry, which is like maybe not a great omen for like his focus and like commitment to basketball, but we'll see. Dan, what are your thoughts on... Uh, the Rubin of it all, and uh, what's taking so long. And I think the Michael Rubin thing is great. Like, if I was worth $8 billion, I would definitely just spend money on getting basketball players to come to my favorite team. And that's, that's not even a question. That's what I would do. But for the holdup, I mean, it's kind of weird because there's really nothing holding up if there's like, say, if there were a move holding up the Harden signing to get like an exact number to give him, then there's nothing holding up that other move from happening. If you follow what I'm saying, like, there's nothing stopping them from just making that next move now if there's a move that they think they're going to make and then signing Harden and getting that done with. 
But if I had to guess, it would be that there's kind of a move Daryl wants to make. It's probably a small move. And if they just do it now, then Daryl wouldn't feel happy with his value on this deal. And he thinks if he waits till, you know, show the other team that he's not in a rush, even though he probably does have a firm deadline because he has to sign hard before the season starts. But it, I don't know. It just kind of feels like, like part of like a, like, like a leverage play in a in a small trade is holding up the Harden deal. It feels like my guess. Like some kind of two for one consolidation move that is currently at a standstill that the Sixers will eventually make and eventually make with someone. And if they just sign Harden now, then maybe they shut off, you know, the avenue to a couple of those trades and they, you know, don't know exactly how much they can give him max. And they're just kind of waiting to see what happens. Um, and they don't want to rush that. That would be my guess. But I, I really, I don't know because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why, why, I don't know. To me, it's like, I, I understand they all feel comfortable with each other, but like, at a, and I'm not worried at this moment, but like, at a certain point, is it really worth the risk of just like letting this go and go and go? Like, like, who knows? Like, it just feels like I would feel more comfortable if they hadn't signed. Yeah, I, I, my guess is that the two people that know exactly what's going on are Harden and Daryl. I don't, I guess I don't know exactly how they could be so sure of what's going on if that's a trade because you need other teams to comply with that. Because it, it can't be a signing at this point unless they're trying to sign like Colin Sexton or somebody. Well, I think that's the kind of the point is that they don't know how much say like they either shed salary or take on salary like in a in a trade like if like right now they're i think they're basically they're basically going to sign harden as much as they can up to the apron mm-hmm. right. so they don't know how below the apron they will be besides harden yet if there's a move still out there and they're going to pay him as much as they can yeah. with all of that in mind is is what i think is happening yeah, I mean, at first we all thought it was House and Tucker and that, you know, Harden was just going to give them enough room for House and Tucker, but they announced those at this point at least a week ago, weeks ago. Um, so it's not that because now we, we're, we're a while removed from that. Um, speaking of Tucker, uh, Mark Stein says that uh, the league might be investigating that one because that was so widely known um, prior to uh, prior to the league style can can we who gives a shit i mean everybody does this why do why why would we need to like yeah also like i don't really get the i don't really get the argument because like it could just like there could have been no negotiating like everyone knew what what tucker was going to get it wasn't like a jalen brunson situation where there was a bidding war and he wasn't getting a max it was like it was like 10 teams are going to offer tucker that melody and it's like, who does he want to sign with? And it was like, okay, he wants to sign with the Sixers. Like, that kind of came out. Like, he believed the Sixers were going to give him this better deal. But, like, I don't really know how that becomes. Like, the Sixers offered him the same contract everyone was going to offer him. Right. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I mean, I guess not I guess not everyone was offering the, third, the three years guaranteed. But, like, right. But it's just a little strange to me. It's like, everyone knew the value he was going to get, at least per year. And it's 
I don't know. It's just, it feels bizarre. Yeah. And, and, you know, the team that would be making us think about it is the heat who themselves got in trouble for this last year with Lowry. I, I, I you know, I feel like who cares, Emily, any thoughts on the Tucker thing? Mm, no, I don't care. Like, I don't even know why there's like these tampering rules to begin with, because like Dan said, everyone does it. Like yeah. it literally like the minute, I mean, I guess now that there's like that weird moratorium, like people can talk at noon or three and can sign at six. So there's like this like built-in buffer of three hours where they can get deals done. But like in actuality, like I feel like deals probably take longer than three hours. Like, so there has been discussions prior to this and then you know at six like 85 people sign a deal so it's weird how that happens but yeah I just think they like make a deal about tampering if like someone makes too big a fuss about it but I just think everyone should just turn a blind eye and let it go they're right also... I don't think the league actually cares I think I think it's just like if people actually make them look they'll like feign caring and then that's it well there was there was Bobby Marks and Zach Lowe complaining that the Sixers like be investigated for i think hardened stuff yes yeah like like you i'm sorry like i don't like zach Lowe. i think a lot of people know i don't like zach Lowe. i think zach Lowe is is just like lame and and not that interesting and has a lot of like influence and and like i don't enjoy everyone taking his opinion on anything i everything I, i don't find him like i don't find him to be like an interesting thinker or like like a particularly like in, insightful i i don't like zach Lowe. and in like anyway like whatever he's fine like i don't i don't like hate him as a person or anything like that but like i just don't like him as like a basketball whatever but, like this is such a zach Lowe thing to do like this is a perfect example of why i don't like zach Lowe. just like complain about something super dumb like super specific to one team like basically like like calling the police the the basketball police on the sixers for a deal that hasn't happened yet with like, it, it, and he just does this stuff too. Like, I, I, I don't mean to sound like someone who's like, oh, every, oh, everyone hates my favorite team. But like the whole like flip-flopping on whether, you know, Embiid and Jokic should both be, That's you know, all NBA first team based on like clearly like just changing his mind after he realized he didn't have to put you on the first team after the straw poll. Like, like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't buy anything that he changed his mind or whatever. It was like, he has an agenda. And like, honestly, like, that's fine. And like a big reason that I, he annoys me is like, just admit it. Like, just like you like Jokic more than Embiid. Like, fine, whatever. Like all you media people seem to be like, fine. You like Jokic. You, you don't really like Embiid. Like admit it. Like Kendrick Perkins, like he's an Embiid guy. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't like, he doesn't like put it like a veil of neutrality over himself. No one's neutral. No one's unbiased, but like, would you just admit it? Like you, he seems to not really like the Sixers. Like, fine. Like, who, I don't really care. But it's like he has all this influence in the league as someone who's like presumed to be unbiased. And it's like everything he says about the Sixers just pisses me off. Like, and I like I I think that he was like absolutely like convinced other people to not vote for Embiid for MVP by him not having Embiid as MVP. Like that kind of thing when that comes out. Like he has like all this influence and it's so bizarre. Like I I just I don't know. I just don't enjoy Zach Lowe. And just saying that was so pathetic. All right, uh, Dan House, Daniel House, right? right? People say it, Daniel. you know, just people say it wrong the same way they say tieable, but it's Daniel. Um, House took Ben Simmons' number, 25, uh, the second 
Ben leaves, they, they gave away his number. I think it's funny and I think it's great. Uh, Emily, any dissenting opinion or additional context? Um, no, I love that he took his number. I hope that he can restore it to glory because it's a terrible number right now. And yeah. I'm happy to see someone else wear it and just, you know, forget Bob Ben Simmons. There will be a lot of like best 25 for the Sixers since whoever like last wore 25 <laughs> before Ben Simmons. Yeah. There will be a lot of that. Uh, Dan, any thoughts on that? I'm just surprised the Sixers aren't holding it to eventually retire it for Simmons. Because <laughs> um, he did have that good Brooklyn series. I don't know if you knew this, but he was actually a three-time All-Star here, and he actually yep. made All-NBA third team one year. Um, I've been told a lot of times that he's a future Hall of Famer, um, and there's really, you know, if you push back on that, you know, you're, you, you can't. Like, he just is. Yeah, he, this is a future Hall of Famer here. Three, he was an All-Star three times here. I think that he should be in the rafters. I actually think it's a disgrace for the Sixers organization to give his number away so fast. I feel like, you know, like, is, you know – we should be a little sentimental here and, and appreciate the great seasons Ben gave us. That's, that's my take on this. Similar thing to this is that Nick Castellanos cannot hit a home run as he lived in Ben Simmons' house. So I think we should, we should do something about that. Um, just throwing it out there. All right. Um, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, uh, do not touch that dial because the most likely game is coming. And uh, we're also going to talk about The Bachelorette and uh, something else. Here's a break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, before we get to that stuff, I know, I know. Before we get to that stuff, uh, the Utah Jazz are getting ready to trade Donovan Mitchell. Now, we've talked about Mitchell as a Sixers target. He's very good. Um, But I'm more interested in right now, because that doesn't seem very realistic, given that the money to get Mitchell is Tobias Harris. Not so great for Utah. Um, The Jazz are definitely going to try to trade off all of their, like, win now vets so how interested are you in getting in the mix there with their like right now they have pat beverly who they got in the gobert trade you know they also have malik beasley he's okay um they um <laughs> they've got uh Bojan bogdanovich he's um he's over there um mike conley uh old and not very good anymore if you're interested um so, any thoughts on getting in on the Utah Jazz fire sale, uh, Daniel? Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, I, I, 
whatever you can if you trade Tobias and get a couple guys I think that could probably be a positive I still like Bogdanovich um I still I mean I still think Conley's better than Tobias but we just have a lot of guards at this point I think Beverly has kind of shown he can guard bigger players so I wouldn't mind getting him as like a fifth guard um he's tough um and we know that you know he's a former rocket so that's funny um yeah I mean there's definitely guys I would be interested in especially if it's like you know I I think less realistic than trading Tobias would be like Matisse plus Korkmaz for someone with like what either Matisse is flipped for a pick or and that pick goes to Utah or you know add a couple seconds in something like mm-hmm. that but yeah I mean I would be interested in that I, I mean why not I don't think this team is complete um I don't think um I, I don't think they can go into the season with this being their wing situation, um, or at least they can't go into the playoffs with this being their wing situation. Um, now, it'd be funny if, if they, Matisse and Korkmaz are like the two salaries you would trade, and they are like the only wings really there. Um, so it'd be hard to like trade those guys and get like Beverly or not a wing back. But I also think they're, like it doesn't even matter because they're not even guys who are going to be playable in the playoffs. So like you'd have had better luck just like going small, I think, than like trying to make one of those guys playable as much as I believed in Furcon at one point, And I think everyone believed in Matisse at one point. I just don't see it. So yeah, I, I would be interested. It could be fun. I I'm more than anything, like I'm interested in like just more shakeup than we've gotten so far. Um, like, I think that just things need to change in this locker room. Not that they all hate each other or anything, but like, I, I just think that they need some turnover. Yeah. The, um, on Beverly, God, he, wouldn't he be adored in Philadelphia? I mean, that guy's just like absolute. And between him and PJ Tucker, holy shit. Um, I would love him as a Sixer. Jake Fisher reported that the Sixers have definitely had interest in him. Um, but now that we have Melton, it might be unlikely uh, that we would expend resources there. You know, they do just have all of a sudden they have guards, you know, between Harden, Maxi, um, Melton, and uh, if you, you know, want to say Shake, you know, they have, you know, they just have, they just have guys right now and, and Beverly's small. Um, but he can guard up, you know, you can get a little creative there. And, and just from a value standpoint, he definitely, you know, can play and can play in the playoffs. So, um, Emily, any thoughts on those guys in Utah that they'll definitely be looking at trade? Um, yeah, I agree with you. I've always been a big Kyle Beverly fan. I think he's just like a little messy and, you know, I really enjoy a, someone who's a little bit messy. So, um, I'm, I think Philly would love him. Um, I don't know if he's like the best fit here, but half the time, I don't care about that. I just like guys that I like, um, so that's probably like the only one that I would really want to like pick up out of the out of the jazz fire sale fun fact about malik beasley though because i was googling him do you ever um watch the show ever what it was on the cw in like the early 2000s probably not can't say it oh well his grandpa was on that show and his grandfather was also in rudy the movie yeah i wouldn't have did it like i didn't know the beasleys had like a history in hollywood but there you go yeah, I feel like we barely covered him on this, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, all right. Well, yeah, so that's that. Uh, we are welcoming onto this show Drew. 
as we are getting into the most likely game. Here we go. Um, now, the only thing, Drew, is that you get to say who goes in what order because when somebody chooses somebody here in the most likely game, mm -hmm. uh, the succeeding players cannot choose that player. It burns them. So uh, I, I hand it away to you, my friend. Okay, first, uh, thank you for giving me the honors on mm -hmm. the return of the most likely game, one of my favorites. And since we were just talking about the Jazz uh, and how they're about to shake up the NBA, I have personally just watched the movie Whiplash, which is a jazz about jazz music and featuring Miles Teller, I think Philly native. Big fan of Miles Teller. Exactly. Me too. He was great in that movie. Um, who is the sixer on the current 2022-2023 roster who is most likely to be a jazz musician once they retire? Emily, Steve, Dan is the order. And then I'll tell you the next one. Okay. I'm going to go with George Niang. He seems like he has like a bit of an old soul. Um, he also has an interesting spelling of his name. And it's kind of French. And it reminds me of New Orleans, which is where there's a lot of jazz. I know he's not French. I know that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, sometimes we grasp at straws in this game and I want to save other players for other things. So I'm going to go with George Niang. Okay, Steve. Okay. All right. I am going to go with Charles Bassey. It's a great choice. It's going to be Charles Bassey and the Bassinets. Ooh. And the basket Bassinet is actually not an instrument. It's gonna be the I think it's a baby thing. It's gonna be Charles Bassey and the Bass Guitars. And it's going to be him and his, and also, no offense, Charles, but maybe a short playing career. And he'll have a lot of time to focus on his music. And it's going to be him. And he's going to be one of these guys that sits down while he plays the thing because he's too tall. And I think he could really have a soulful sort of way about him. Um, I, can, I can see it. Dan, I'm going to need you to not react in that way while I'm talking. Um, so what what thing is he sitting down for? Uh, he's, got a, he's got a big one of them things with strings playing a, a bass yeah, a bass a, a bass a standing bass it's not like a, a guitar oh so he has yeah. to sit for that i see okay charles basically yeah, is playing the bass yeah isn't there like a count basie that's like actually a jazz musician like a very mm -hmm. famous one yeah that's where you're going with that steve yeah yep <laughs> okay dan i am All very right. happy with that. i'm i'm gonna go with tyrese maxi i oh burning maxi early I, I just think that he is, he has, a, you know, he's a very happy guy. He's always smiling. And I think that I could really see him getting really into the literal, like, you know, when someone's like playing an instrument and they get really into it and you can just like see it in their face, like they're just like really enjoying playing this instrument. Like I could see that being maxi. Plus, I think if he's playing like, a saxophone or something and he like like in that kind of way where he's getting like really into it. he's got his he's got a sax solo right like 
he would like be like bobbing his head back and forth and his hair would be going all over and like it would just be an awesome look and so you know i think you know he will like need something after basketball to like become passionate about because he's such a hard worker and so he's going to be like i have to take up an instrument and he's going to get really into jazz what instrument would he play i think he's playing the saxophone okay you strike a hard bargain dan uh emily i think you came up short with george niang personally i think charles bassey is the clear winner he plays the bass it's his name it's in his name let's go oh he played the bassinet (laughs) shut up (laughs) okay so dan or steve apologies you get the first win of the offseason i guess next question um lebron james recently made an appearance in the awesomely titled drew league um i have no partnership with them i should make that clear who is the sixer most likely to play one game and then dip in the drew league besides i have to exclude the anthony melton because he did play in the drew league so he already played besides the anthony melton who is the sixer most likely to play in the drew league for one game we'll go reverse dan steve emily all right so if i had to pick someone now from my understanding of this drew league It's a pretty star-powered league, but it's not just good players. It's like popular good players. Like, and I just think, all right, I think it's, I think it's James Harden. I'm going to use Harden here. I I believe he's played in the Drew League in the past. Um, I could see him being the kind of guy who plays one game and then they want him to come back and he just puts the fat suit on. And he's like, I'm not going to play the rest of the games. Plus, I, I also think, like, I know you said he didn't play this year, but Kyrie was supposed to play this year and just didn't come. Did he not come because he was like, oh, my God, there's a really good chance that James Harden could come for a game and they're not buddies. So he's like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go. Like, I can't, I can't see Harden. So I feel like... Harden has, for the one game and dip, that's Harden. And based on, on Kyrie just deciding not to go, I think he was afraid to run into Harden. He was like, they haven't said Harden's playing, but I could see him coming for a game. And I, I don't want to risk that awkwardness. Harden's actually on the Drew League Wikipedia page, his picture and his contract. There it is. Steve. Okay. I am going to say hmm. I'm going to say Dan House and I'm going to say he plays in the same game that James Harden does because he loves Harden and he does things that's his boys and he plays in this game and he does only one of them because he makes no House of Highlight videos. Nobody takes any videos of Dan House at the Drew League. And he gets home, he checks his notification, it's like three and they're all like, you know, team Snapchat for Flag Day or whatever holiday it was. And he's like, what the fuck, why is nobody, I made three layups, 
Uh, like I held my guy to three of 13. Nobody cares. It's like everybody, all the oxygen was going to James Harden and DeMar DeRozan or, you know, Katino Mobley, who's always on Instagram. Like nobody's paying attention to me, Daniel House. And he, and he, you know, sort of shrinks away into the darkness. So I think that Daniel House would play in one game and then never again because of a lack of hubbub. You just described ben, what Ben did after the Hawks series. <laughs> there you go. That's why he's 25. That's right. Yeah. Emily. Um, I'm going to go with Paul Reed. Mm. I don't, I, Dan said like a lot of high powered, high star players playing the Drew League, which is true, but they also have like some college kids that play. So like, I think your level of stardom doesn't really matter. Um, but I think that Paul Reed would actually like be really fun in the Drew League. Like he would definitely make some House of Highlights videos. Like he does like crazy stuff. And then also from everything that we've heard in like interviews, he's just kind of like a bit of a space cadet. Like he'll be like, I don't know like why I'm here. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. So I kind of think he would like go to a game and then not realize that there were more games after and he would just like not attend. So it wouldn't have been like an intentional dipping out, but like he just would not realize that there were more games. That's very interesting. Cause when I wrote this question down, the two people I thought of were James Harden and Paul Reed. So I think I like Emily's reasoning just a little bit more. Um, I think James Harden, I, I just saw uh, in that same report where he said he was um, like eating healthier and stuff, said he was playing Call of Duty, um, which for me, I mean, we all have a history with our players playing Call of Duty. I think he's more focused on all that than going to a true league for the hype. I don't think uh that's in his best interest right now i think going to the drew league for one game is definitely in party's best interest so emily gets that one thank you moving on we emily you mentioned the phillies earlier uh they just swept the marlins um heading into the all-star break kyle schwarber is the first philly since i think ryan howard to participate in the home run derby so in honor of the home run derby which is tomorrow on Monday. If the Sixers were to theoretically hold a team only home run derby, which Sixer would most likely come out victorious? We'll go Steve, Emily, Dan. Okay. Home run derby for the Sixers. I'm seeing some options here, but you really need them to be smooth and coordinated. And you like them to be compact, not too, not too spindly. You're not thinking Paul Reed? Spindly. <laughs> um, Paul Reed is a disqualified. As is like George Niang would be a good one here. All right, I think I've got my answer. Um, my answer is PJ Tucker. Damn it. That was awesome. PJ Tucker. <laughs> very strong gentleman. Um, very athletic, but seems to have a good center of gravity, good trunk on him. I've seen it. And uh, very coordinated, um, 
seem moves well laterally, seems to know what he's doing uh, athletically. And I think that, and, and just sheer, you know, hand-eye coordination and strength, I think that he would be a sixer who would do really well. And, and not too high a center of gravity, really. Like, I think that's, that's who I'm going. He's only 6'5 or so. That's what I'm going with. Emily. Well, it's really bad when both me and Dan say that was our guess, like that kind of, we should keep our mouths shut. It's a real compliment. That really gives Steve yeah. some brownie points. Because <laughs> um, I was also going to comment on PJ Tucker's butt, but you know. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with Charlie Brown Jr., um like steve said like he's shorter he's only six six and really my only other reason for doing this is that in baseball a lot of times you've got like dynasties you've got like cal ripken cal ripken jr you got ken griffey jr and then you have charlie brown jr so that's just like a good baseball name and i'm gonna go with maybe he can hit some dingers i would i would like to come i think you both made such great points but I would like to combine them both and choose the real best player, which is Daniel House Jr. Okay, we still have the junior. We still have the junior. I agree, that's important. We need the junior for all the reasons you said. But we also, House Jr., I mean, that's a great baseball name too. But he is also pretty compact. He is, you know, he's got, he's got the similar size to Tucker, right? So I think that, that, that is also important. I, I think that you both made very good points, but you were just kind of around where we needed to be, which is we put those two good ideas together. We get Daniel. <laughs> I can't. I can't argue with that logic, Dan. That's a clean sweep. Thank you, PJ Thank Tucker. You. PJ Tucker probably has the best chance, but just for well, the the explanation. Dan stealing both of our answers exactly. and making it his own answer. <laughs> using what he well has done. in front of him i can respect it moving on we talked about pj tucker's investigation earlier who is the sixer most likely to become a criminal investigator once they retire we'll go let's see we'll go emily dan steve all right um, I'm going to go with Tobias Harris, um, pretty easily. We know that he likes to read things. Um, he also has many of the same interests as I do. He likes dogs. He likes cookies. And therefore I think that he also likes true crime pod podcasts, which is something that I like. So I think that I would be a good investigator. And therefore, I think Tobias Harris would be a good investigator. It's a solid point. I'm going to go. All right. So if you've I'm going to go with Shake Milton. And here's why. If you've been listening to this podcast long enough back when we originally brought out the most likely game, we have established this is just fact that Shake Milton is afraid of ghosts. He is the sixer who is <laughs> most afraid of ghosts. This is indisputable oh my god so that's right he has to yes like okay 
he's doing some criminal investigating, but the reason he's doing that is so he can get the <laughs> the investigative investigative resources to investigate the ghost situation as well because he is very scared, and so he he's not scared enough to not face this fear, but he's trying to get it taken care of. Yeah, he would think he's pulling some strings once he gets into the criminal. Yeah, well, he's in there and he's got like, he has some leeway. They're like, you can investigate, you know, whatever you want. You investigate what you think is important. He's like, yeah, I heard about this, uh, you know, ghost uh, <laughs> sighting. You know, there was something supernatural going on here. And uh, he's taking those, those, those resources and putting it towards ghosts. Steve, how do you follow that? <laughs> yeah. Good uh good answers, both of you. Like good answers, I have to say. Um what do we know about criminal investigators? I guess we know that um it's important that they um important that they sort of gather a lot of data, right? Important that they get everything in line, that they're organized, that they sort of look at all of the facts you know look at, all I know facts. look at all the facts and um i don't know how do i say this that they do their own research <laughs> who do we know on the sixers <laughs> this year ryan winworth <laughs> indisputably took it upon themselves to do their own research why is that? <laughs> you say the name. That, that would be Matisse Thibault, who was so steeped in his own research <laughs> that he didn't go to Toronto. There's oh, your answer. Man. There's your private investigator, Matisse Thibault. Jeez. Oh, man. That was good. What a round. Emily, what a question. I mean, those are three for three. I think we <laughs> I I understand the Tobias podcast train of thought, but it, it's it's, it's not it's not coming up to bat against Steve and Dan. <laughs> um, ghost versus independent research. <laughs> the debate of our time. Never thought I would ever have to decide between those two. Welcome to, to Gastro. Um, oh, God. I think I got to give it to Dan. Wow. Uh oh, well oh it was close. Uh, <laughs> Steve, uh, you were good, but I really <laughs> me up. It was. <laughs> wow. All it, right. So this really is close. going into the last question, right? Right. So, yeah, so right now the score is Steve 1, Emily 1, Dan 2. Uh -oh. So uh -oh. if Dan gets us right, he wins straight up. If Emily or Steve gets us, we go to a tiebreaker, which is a heavy hitter. All right. <laughs> Emily, we got to band together on this. You got to do this tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay. Think a little bit deeper about this one. Joel Embiid got his French nationality uh, earlier this week. Who is the Sixer most likely to learn French in order to gain a competitive advantage over someone else on the team or for their own benefit of their game to communicate with Joel in more than one language? We'll go. Who hasn't gone first? I feel like Dan, Steve, Emily. 
All right. So, I mean, if I hadn't just used Shake Milton, I would be considering him here because we all know he is holding a grudge against Joel Embiid from their streaming match in the bubble. Uh, but I have just used him. So I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to go with Julian Champagne. Uh, Champagne sounds like champagne. Champagne is French. So we have to start off with that. Besides that, he really needs to fight for a roster spot here. And, you know, if he can, you know, become Joel's buddy, we know this team is lacking Joel's friends. If he can become Joel's friend by learning French, that would help out. You know, be like, you know, Joel doesn't have to speak French. He can speak English, but he knows French. And, you know, he's like, Joel's like, I want to use French. You know, like, I want to. I want to get to speak French. I never get to talk to anyone in French. It's probably fun to speak French. It seems like a fun language to speak. And if I were bilingual, I would try to speak the other language I spoke. That's really cool. So he is going to befriend Julian Champagne for this reason. And on the court, when they run together, you know, Champagne is going to really mesh well with Embiid on the court. And that's going to be a reason they keep him on the roster. That'll be his competitive advantage. And when they're on the court together, and they're playing teams that don't have any French speakers, they're calling out plays in French. And everyone else is either secure enough with their spot in the rotation or on the team or whatever, and they're fine with it. But Champagne, knowing his name sounds like Champagne, he's the only one who gets the idea, and he decides to do it. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> As we talked about earlier, if you believe the reports, the only thing in the world that James Harden cares about is winning basketball games. He even this summer worked out at basketball. He even started practicing this summer. How about that? So I think that in order to grow chemistry with Joel and in order to better position himself uh, in the league and, and his pick and roll chemistry, which was, incredibly highly ranked i think that uh james in addition to actually practicing this summer and and uh taking less and less money all the time every time we hear about it he's taking less money and um i think that james harden is the sixer to uh hop on rosetta stone and learn french to uh become closer with joel as his commitment to winning is unmatched in the nba Fair, fair. Emily? Right. I'm going to go with Matisse. Um, one, his name is Matisse, who is like a French painter, so it kind of leads it into finding himself. Two, um, if Joel is mad at anyone from the past season, it's Matisse for, as Steve pointed out earlier, not getting vaccinated and allowing Joel to drag his half lifeless body around a court um, after being hurt in, I mean, at Granny got hurt, whatever. Um, so I think that Matisse needs to gain some goodwill towards him. Also, um, Matisse's, you know, second career potentially like thing he cares about more than winning basketball games is making videos and like chasing some type of YouTube clout and a surefire way to make your YouTube videos more popular is to have Joel Embiid in them. 
Therefore, if he befriends Joel using his newfound French language and gets him in his videos more, that also benefits him in his second career when he stops playing basketball. So he's got it from to benefit basketball if he cares, his second career, which he ca might care about more, and because his name is Matisse, which is a French painter. All great arguments. Um, this one was a, a little bit closer in terms of all three. I think I'm giving it to Emily for Matisse sounds French. I mean, I'm, it is French, right? Didn't he get named after someone who was French? Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all that. And I do think when it comes to content creation, Matisse will take it to an extra level to to get Joel on there. So I like that explanation. We've got a tiebreaker. We've we do have a tiebreaker. Emily and Dan, you're going into sudden death, I guess is what we'll call it. Um this one I want to preface and just say I'm not saying that this will happen. Uh this is under the theoretical that the oh, first God. first month of the season, Sixers record is looking bad. Okay. This is a a doomy, gloomy situation. In this doomy, gloomy theoretical, which Sixer is most likely to turn face on Doc Rivers first? Mm. Like so, he's fired? Or get in a fight with him on the sideline or what? Like, who is the first Sixer reported in the, I want to say like, Mm. truly reported that it's like known perhaps a locker room schasm something where it's not a end-all be-all like maybe we're not tanking at that level but like we're below 500 kind of a month into the season two months into the season who will be the first sixer to kind of be like maybe doc rivers isn't the guy We'll go Emily and then Dan, because Emily got that last one. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm going to say, you can edit out all these long pauses as I think. Uh, I am going, to say, I know this, I'm gonna, fuck it. I'm just gonna say Joel. I know this is probably not the winning answer, but honestly, if anyone is going to make anything known about a coach, it's going to be Joel. We all know that he has the most power. We all know that he probably cares about winning more than anyone on this team. Um, we don't, you know, he wants, you know, new blood. He wants, he likes, I think he likes to play with the young guys and Joel doesn't like, I mean, Doc doesn't like to change the roster up. He kind of just like sticks with what happened. He also sometimes doesn't like to give Joel the ball, which makes him mad and wants to run sets that aren't working instead of giving him the ball, which makes him mad. So I think if anyone was to want something to happen with Doc Rivers and who had the power to make it happen, it would be Joel. And what's the point of leaking that someone is having an issue with the coach if they don't have any power to do anything about it? So I'm going to say Joel. So I think that instead of being a move out of 
anger. This is actually like anger in terms of like, oh, like I'm a great player and this team isn't performing. It's a guy whose career is being a little bit stunted by Doc Rivers' decision making. And if the Sixers have a bad record, let's think, how did we get here? Well, here's how we got here. Doc needed that backup big, that traditional backup center. He brought in Ennis Freedom, Steve's guy, to, uh, to be the backup center. And, uh, you know, he, he, Doc loves his politics. He loves, uh, you know, he, he loves what he brings on the court. He's a great offensive rebounder. And Doc is playing Ennis, Ennis Freedom, Ennis Cantor Freedom, 18 minutes a night. He starts when Joel's out. And Paul Reed is just not getting any run. Even after he showed in the playoffs, he can play. Doc has another guy that he can play now. And Paul Reed has talked with his agent. He's not happy. He, he makes it publicly known that he's not happy, that Doc is not playing him, that the team would be better if he were playing, and that the Sixers need to either play him or trade him. So very very realistically uh i think emily's is more realistic just in terms of considering that ennis freedom is not on the Sixers. yeah he's going to be if they're bad if they're bad that will be why i think that's breaking a fundamental rule of the most likely game where the player has to actively be on the no but paul reed is the one who asks out because they signed someone else okay Paul Reed, I don't know. I think Paul Reed is more likely to be traded after making a fuss about Doc Rivers than... He wants that. He wants that. I don't know, Dan. <laughs> I don't know. This is sounding a whole lot like uh, like grasping at straws. I it sounds think... like you love oh, Ennis Freedom. That's what I'm hearing. I... Hey, <laughs> the, don't please uh, don't put words in my mouth on on uh, on at Mr. Freedom. Um, Emily is the winner of day oh, day one. Uh, congrats! Emily gets it. Um, your prize. Did we ever do You're a great job? Did we ever do a prize for, nope. for winning? No. Nope. Well, maybe at the end of the off season we'll come up with something. Yeah, whoever uh, has not only for the most, not only for the winner, but for Drew. Oh, I don't. Well, I'm Steve was in last, so I question. think Steve has to make Emily dinner or something. Like, you have to go to Emily's house, like, bring food and cook it and do the dishes and then leave. That sounds like a, a bad thing for Emily, but sure. And yeah. I feel like somehow Dan is also going to be at my house and get dinner. I feel like that. No, I'm just, I'll, I'll FaceTime in. <laughs> okay. That sounds good to me. Right. <clears throat> Um, all right, Drew, great job. Uh, I'm very excited that the most likely game is back. It's been really great cool. transitions, Drew. Just like weaving them killed in it. and out of cops. Well like, well absolutely done. killed it. So good. Um, the last order of business um, is that the Bachelorette is back. There is uh, there are two Bachelorettes um, whose names escape me, both of them. Um, Gabby and Rachel. But they're doing great. Emily and Rachel. Um, Gabby and Rachel, um, uh, they're both, I, I think, very good so far. Uh, the, <laughs> like, there's no rhyme or reason to how it's going to work. I think they just threw them all in there with the guys. Um, 
and uh, any quick takes on the pool of men so far? Um, there is a, there's a, Gab and I did thing again this year where we, we go online and we <clears throat> read the list of the guys and we sight unseen just, just by reading the list, we choose three guys who we think are going to make it the furthest. Uh, and then we tell each other the list and, and whoever, whatever wins, gets a guy that goes the furthest, make a meal for each other, whatever. Um, the guys that I chose based on the thing, one was Hayden, who Emily thinks looks like Josh Peck, I think looks like the grocery store Joe. Um, Quentin something, he, he was the one who got out of the limo and he was like, I haven't had sex in like a year. Great choice. And it was like, great, thanks for so telling me. Great, cool, thanks for, have a good night. Um, and then the third one had the choir sing about, um, what's his name, The Last Bachelor. Um, so that's it. Um, any other takes on the guys? Uh, start with them. <clears throat> um, I, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Like, if they're going to all date them and then, like, halfway through they have to pick a person. But it seems like people are, like, switching girls in the middle from the preview. So that'll be interesting. Um, I think that, like, the race... I have people that I think will go far with Rachel much more than I think will go far with Gabby. I don't really have Gabby pinned down because I think she's just like a kooky weirdo. Um, and I don't really know her type. So I'm interested to see like who she likes, but I think for Rachel, like that race car driver, she seemed very into him. Um, the guy she kissed on the stairs and there was that guy that wrote her the birthday card. So like all of those, I think will be like her tops, but I have no idea for Gabby because she's like completely out of left field. And I think that's why I like her, so. Gabby gave the rose to that guy that she didn't even seem like she was into. Mario. But she kissed him and it was a really awkward kiss. She kissed kiss. him, but the kiss didn't even seem that good. I don't yeah, know. I don't know what she's doing. But she, and really, she really thought that Boston guy was funny. And I was like, I don't know if this guy's funny. He like, seems so old. And like yeah, weird, he told her to shush. Yeah, I don't know. Dan, thoughts? I really like, I just, real quick, I, I don't get why they need to bring up, the, everyone likes to make jokes about the, the guy from the last season who they both, it's like both of their ex is very bizarre. I don't, they do this every season. Like the <clears throat> girls, the guys, like bachelor, bachelor, it doesn't matter. Everyone seems to think this is a good idea. It's never a good idea. It never goes over well. It's so bizarre. Um, the I really like the the two bachelorette format. I like the chaos that it's going to bring when like in from the previews where the guys are like offered a rose and they're like, sorry, actually I like the other girl. And um, it's very interesting. It's like it gives some like obviously like you know the whole um, the whole thing is generally like you know thirty two guys like competing for two girls, but like they're still like some element of like choice there it's not like you know like I'm just on like this game show and you know it's basically a game show like this reality yeah. show and like you know hopefully I like her and if I don't then like I'll really try to like her because she's the only person here um it's like okay you actually like have some options like it's kind of like an interesting thing to like oh like you now they have to decide like which of these two do they like better so I think that'll be a really fun wrinkle in this season. I wasn't really sure what to expect when I heard there were two, but I'm really glad that they're like somewhat together and that like they're 
with the same pool of men. So I think that's really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Good stuff. Um, fun episode. Great seeing you both. Um, follow us, Third and Girl, Gastro Blues Pod, Steve J. Lippman, DFL's 13, the Gastro Blues Pod, a Sixers podcast on YouTube. Um, that's it. We'll be back with you next week. We love you. Be safe and be great. Um, that's it. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Oh, yeah, baby, I love